Welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hey! This is a show where each week, Ashley and I, we talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters, and we break it down whether we thought it was good or bad, and whether or not it would make for a good date movie. On this episode, we're talking about The Invisible Man. This is a reimagining of the classic monster movie from 1933, which starred Claude Rains as the title character. The IMDb plot summary reads... When Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by someone nobody can see. This movie, it has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it opened this past weekend to about $29 million. Off That's of, not bad for... Off of like a $7 million budget. Yeah. So yeah, this is a, a definite moneymaker. And it's one of the few horror movies released so far this year that's actually clicked with yeah. audiences. I mean, a bunch of horror movies have just kind of tanked. This one pulled in some people. This is actually Universal's latest attempt at reviving their catalog of classic movie monsters, uh, which includes stuff like Dracula, The Mummy, and The Wolfman. And uh, we've sat through a couple of those. We have sat through together. a couple I mean, of those. I mean, they've revamped The Mummy a number of times, most, most recently with Tom Cruise. And uh, that was supposed to kick off like an interconnected universe of different monster movies. But that Tom Cruise mummy movie was a flop, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And um, this one, they were even supposed to, the original 10 here was to have Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. But because that movie flopped, they kind of had to like scrap that and start from ground zero. I mean, they even had like a press photo of Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man sitting next to other like movie stars like Angelina Jolie. So they had like a whole ambitious plan rolled out and it just, I mean, you know, take it one at a time is the yeah. lesson there, you know, <laughs> take well, it one I, at a time. And, and honestly, a, a big star wouldn't, would have made this movie not as successful in my opinion. Like with Johnny Depp? Yeah. Yeah. And it would have skyrocketed the budget. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, this was a lot cheaper than that Tom Cruise mummy movie. So yeah, this version, it's produced by Jason Blum, who's produced such low-budget genre fare as Paranormal Activity. He's got it down, I feel like, or his company's got it down. Definitely. They do, yeah, low-budget, kind of like focused advertising, and they get big returns off of those budgets. I mean, he produced Get Out, one of the most profitable movies ever. And so this this movie, it's written and directed by Lee Wanell, who co-created the Saw and Insidious franchises, along with James Wan. Lee Wanell, uh, his last movie as a director was the sci-fi movie Upgrade, which I know I've shown you. I kind of jogged your memory after we walked out of this, but that movie, it had Logan Marshall Green as a guy who is paralyzed in a car accident. He loses his wife, and then he's given some like crazy scientist puts this computer chip into his spine, which allows him to walk again. And this computer chip kind of like takes over his entire nervous system and can control how he defends himself and fights. I mean, at least there's some pretty awesome action scenes. You remember this a little bit. I do. I mean, it's been years. Two, it came out two years ago. It wasn't that long. I got to rewatch this movie. It's awesome. He, and he made it on like a $5 million budget, which blows my mind because it builds this entire futuristic world. I mean, he had these futuristic cars going on, uh, like these uh, like cityscapes, like these wide shots where you believe like you are several decades at least into the future. Uh, it created a very believable world just off of minuscule budget. So that movie uh, just, it, it definitely got me primed and excited for whatever he was going to do next. And it turned out to be this. So in this movie, we, we follow the character Cecilia. She's played by Elizabeth Moss. 
And in the opening scene, she is planning an elaborate escape from the home of her boyfriend, Adrian, played here by Oliver Jackson Cohen. And uh, she escapes this mansion, and she moves in with her friend James, played by Aldous Hodge. And then she learns pretty quickly that Adrian has killed himself, and he's left $5 million to her to be doled out in installments. Yeah. And then, so shortly after, spooky things start to happen, and she begins being terrorized by an invisible presence, which leads her to believe that it's Adrian kind of stalking her, and she thinks that he somehow faked his death. And that's that's kind of the setup. Yep. The, the main setup for the thrust of this movie, and there are some twists and turns, but we won't spoil them just yet. Overall, what what did you think of this film, The Invisible Man? I mean, I, I thought it had the best intentions. <laughs> And, and what, I mean, they just didn't give a backstory. I mean, I get that, you know, the guy is abusive, but we don't see it. So the motivation for her, you know, leaving and kind of planning her escape really didn't make any sense. And the fact that, like, her family didn't know that she was in an abusive relationship or, you know, didn't understand. I mean, that whole, the sister dynamic was very weird. In the- and her family dynamic was very weird. In the opening scene, yeah, when she, after she kind of escapes his house, she's rescued on the road. And this is like middle of the night, like 3 a.m., we're yeah. assuming. She's rescued by her sister. Her sister kind of picks her up in a car on the road. And her, you know, and Elizabeth Moss, like, she's like panting. She's frantic. She runs to the car. She gets in. And her sister's like, what's going on? Who's after you? <laughs> like, her sister seems clueless. Yeah. As to the situation. It's like, weren't you briefed? <laughs> like, how did you get here? Uh, the chemistry between the sisters was off. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I felt like they did everything in their power in this movie. Elizabeth Moss just looked very ragged and run down. Well, she's I being mean, terrorized the she's, entire movie. The whole entire movie. But, I mean, that Handmaiden's Tale is the same way. She's just, <laughs> she's got no makeup on. She doesn't look pretty. I mean, like. That's her thing. Just being like a woman, like, pushed to the edge. Like, psychologically fraught. <laughs> Is, is her thing. I would say she's pretty She's pretty good in this. She's good in the she, movie. She's, she's very yeah. good in this. But that's pretty much all I thought was good that's in the liked, movie. That's all you liked. Yeah. her performance. I, I mean, I thought it was unrealistic that her her husband Whoa. was a Oculus. What is it? Oculus. <laughs> He's an optics genius. He's a 38-year-old optics genius. Yeah. Who has, like, some sort of metallic fortress uh, hanging on the edge of a cliff in the middle of nowhere. Uh, like Tony Stark level of uh, like fame. Of uh, yeah, and, fame and genius. And genius going on. And he has like an underground bunker laboratory going on. Yeah, that we for see his inventions. How is he running his business? No idea. We don't get into There's any of that. nothing around this house. It is literally in the middle of nowhere, like right off the cliff, uh, like uh, overlooking the ocean. Yeah. There's nothing around. So, yeah, there's some unlikely stuff going on right in the opening scene. This movie, if you're a nitpicker, I don't think either either you or I are big nitpickers. No, we're when it not. Comes to movies. We're not, like, super uppity about, like, just making everything make practical sense. Yeah. In movies, you have to go with, you know, a certain leap of faith. This movie will test just how much how much bending of logic yeah. and how many, like, just inconsistencies and implausibilities you can swallow. And it's not even like you notice them in hindsight. You notice them while you're watching it. <laughs> this guy's, yeah, this guy's whole backstory, his whole makeup is pretty implausible. He doesn't show anything in the movie about him being violent or 
You know, even there's a scene at the end where there's he doesn't even like get we, violent with her. When we finally see him, he seems like a DKNY model. Like he's yeah. been modeling like jackets on the side of a bus. There's nothing creepy about him. There's nothing imposing or threatening about him. It's a weird casting choice, ultimately. I kind of wish they had gone like more of like a Mark Zuckerberg, like socially Awkward, inept. Yeah. yeah, like a creepy guy. This guy's not creepy. Uh, or at least having some kind of backstory into their relationship or having like a like maybe a flashback or something or, you know, all I, of that. I agree. I think in interviews, Lee Wanell, he said that he didn't, you know, he got notes from audiences saying, hey, we're missing some backstory. And, you know, he felt like he wanted to leave it to the audience's imagination. He didn't want to have like a cliched scene where... It, like we show her trying to like clean up in the kitchen and then she gets like beaten in the face because she didn't do it right. He didn't want to put in any cliched scenes of domestic abuse, which is fine. But we could have used a little something as far as yeah, just what drew them together and what pushed them apart. Although I do like how the movie opens just right in the middle of her escape. Although it's it's a little implausible just how rich this guy is. There just aren't many, like, self-made 38-year-old billionaires out yeah. there, are there? Like, no. tech visionaries who are also psychotic lunatics? <laughs> it just, it doesn't fit together, like, the, the profile of this guy. So, yeah, so overall, you, um, I guess you're a little disappointed. You didn't get quite what you wanted. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just torn. I, I feel like I did, but I didn't. You know, like, there's mixed feelings about this movie. There's some suspense. There the movie is. delivers suspense. There is suspense. And there's some surprises. The, um, the just, visual effects are cool. And, I mean, there's a very cool scene kind of towards the end, like, in a hospital. Yeah. Which is just kind of kick-ass. Reminded me a lot of what I dug about Upgrade. Just kind of, like, violent, awesome action. And, yeah, we get a little bit of that here. There, This is a well-directed film. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it stretches plausibility in ways that is frustrating. <laughs> and, you know, I'm seeing some people, I'm seeing a lot of write-ups giving this movie props for being, like, you know, a thriller for the Me Too era. It speaks yeah. to the Me Too movement. I, I don't know, I don't know how, how well that checks out. This movie, it doesn't really explore well, yeah, domestic trauma it, in any kind of it, deep it way. It doesn't. So no. I wouldn't, like, say Me Too. I mean, yeah, she's... It's interesting that she's the main protagonist. I like that. But the movie goes off the rails into sci-fi territory. Yeah. <laughs> it's not exploring like the psychological trauma of domestic abuse in any sincere fashion, I would say. No. I mean, she's just phone. she's just acting like she's traumatized. We I mean, we, we don't see why. Like maybe she says it to her sister. I mean, maybe there is a there's conversation. Just a, there's just a line where yeah, she's like he tried to control everything I did, like what I wore, uh, what I said, what and I then ate what I ate and then what I thought. And so it's kind of just up to the audience to like fill in the blanks as to what that was. Although she doesn't, she doesn't have like any like physical marks on her at the beginning. She doesn't, does she? no. Okay. She's just desperately escaping this palace yeah. in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, so yeah, a little improbable, I guess. Yeah. And she leaves her dog. Is it her dog or his? Her, I mean, it's their dog. Towards the, later in the film, like she goes back to the house. Why is the dog still there? Well, because the dog is the dog. The dog is their so dog. Is, so is he just at the house, like, feeding the dog as yeah. an invisible dude? Well, he it's probably weird. takes the suit off in the house. There, there, yeah, there are some there are some nutty implausibilities. Um, I mean, the biggest one, probably right off the bat, is how does he fake his death? Yeah. That's not 
properly answer. No, it's <laughs> not. kind of something you need to just go with. When disappointment settled in for me, it was kind of during the stretch where, you know, she realizes he's committed suicide. And this whole stretch where she's kind of like alone at the house being terrorized by yeah. this invisible presence, it goes on for like 40, 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, that was too, that was too much, it too felt, long. It just, it, that's where it felt like, okay, this is a Blumhouse movie. Like this like paranormal activity. Like we're just kind of like watching the, the frames to see if anything's going to move or jump out. And we could have, we could have shaved that way down. I feel we get that. It feels like it's almost like an hour until anything happens. It's true. Yeah. It's like a after that, slow moving. after that opening scene, it's like an hour until anything happens. And so, yeah, like a lot of these logic issues would have been fixed in a tighter movie. Like shave off 30 minutes. This is a two hour movie. Like why is this two hours? So that's, that, that's a problem. Would you recommend this as a, a date night movie? I think I would. Yeah. Because it is suspenseful. It's horror. I I was cuddling up next to you. There's so yeah. It in delivers. the movie, I mean, it, it it's good for everybody. I think it's just good good fun. Well, it's, it's for adults. I like that. It's it's yeah. a thriller aimed for adults. And yeah, if you and your date, if you like suspense films, if you like kind of being on the edge of your seat, this movie delivers that. I mean, it doesn't sustain it all throughout, but it delivers it here and there. I would say <laughs> sometimes it goes a little slack, a little dull. Yeah. Cut down that whole like yeah Blumhouse portion where she's like like hide like looking around an attic with a flashlight yeah. or like walking slowly down a dark hallway. Cut cut that stuff way down. And yeah, I mean some nutty nutty stuff happens in the back half. We'll get into that in spoilers. Let's take yeah. a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into spoilers for the Invisible Man. <laughs> All right, we're back and we're gonna get into spoilers for the Invisible Man. Uh, one big spoiler, I guess, right off the top, is that Cecilia is pregnant. She so, takes pills. Yeah, but he wanted a kid. Mm-hmm. And so he figured out she was taking birth control pills and swapped the pills out for, like, placebos. And so she got pregnant, I guess, like, at the tail end. At the tail of end their... of their relationship. And so that's the reason why she's still alive is because she is pregnant. And there's some sort of weird game being played by the brother who's dishing out the inheritance. That's a red flag right off the top that this guy's brother is in charge of his trust. Yeah. That's a red flag. Like, why isn't this a lawyer? Why is this his brother? Well, I I believe he is a lawyer. Well, that's convenient. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Still, just kind of a red flag. And, uh, yeah, it turns out his brother is kind of in on it. Yeah, I guess he convinced his brother or, like, manipulated his brother to, like, wear the suit and, like... Towards the end, yeah. yeah. How, how does that happen? I have no idea. We don't get into that. Is all of that is weird. That's a weird... Because it's it's not him the whole time. It's just him for that one time. Yeah. But the question is, why? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, his brother's in on it. And at one time, he tells her, like, just have the baby... And this and will all go everything away. Everything will go away. She's in an insane asylum at this point because <laughs> yeah. she accidentally kills her sister. <laughs> well, I that's mean, maybe not, my favorite scene. Not her, but the invisible man kills her sister at the restaurant. That's a good scene. And it's a cool she's scene. She's charged with it, and like, she's going nuts. I like the way that scene plays out because it's you know they're sitting at dinner. It's a shot reverse, and then in one of the reverses. You just see a knife floating. Yeah. It's, and before you can really process, like, what is going on, it just cuts the sister's throat. And that's good timing. And that's a genuine surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a well-directed scene. And she's locked up because of that. And so, yeah, his his whole plan is to just ruin her life so she'll take him back. Yeah. I don't understand. What? Yeah. I mean, what? 
it doesn't add up. His plan, his motivation does not add up. And we're just, all the movie really gives us as far as why this elaborate cat and mouse game is going on is because she dumped him. Yeah. He doesn't like being dumped. And he's going nuts. He can't handle it. So he's going to put on a tracksuit that turns him invisible, fake his own death, and then stalk her and drive her crazy yes. so that she'll take him back. Yes. Doesn't make sense. It, it really like you got to you got to do better than that. <laughs> you got to do better than that. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like the, the, just the, the story is just not there. I mean, yeah, there are some the logic action, issues. There's some motivation issues, big time. The action, the acting, that's all there. It's stylishly made. It's a well-directed film. The, yeah, the problems are with the screenplay. I mean, the acting is pretty good. I mean, yeah. Elizabeth Moss, I mean, she's she's doing a good job. Doing here. a good job. She's doing And good she job. ultimately gets gets it in the end because she she finds a secondary suit and she hides it in the house. Right, this is another improbable yeah. scene. Yeah. So <laughs> like, how finds, did she get in the house? Yeah, she well she all the codes are the same. Okay. But how did she He get... didn't change the codes cuz he's dead. Apparently. Quote, unquote, the codes, he's dead. So she just hid the suit in the house? Yeah. Okay. In her little cubby space that she hid her, her go bag. And so, and she knows like the exact line of where the camera can see. And yeah. so she's able to make it look like he killed himself. Yeah. That she went to the bathroom. But I, yeah, I guess he, he tries to make it look like it was his brother who did this. Yeah. And he like, he. Tied himself up in a cubby hole or something. He did, yeah. So he tried to pin the whole thing on the brother. How did he get himself tied up in a cubby hole? I mean, he did. Either the brother did it, or he did it to himself. Or he did it to himself. Yeah, it's not like he was. I mean, can you tie yourself up like that? Sure. <laughs> I don't want to be thinking about these these logic questions. I don't think the movie wants me thinking no. about them because the movie doesn't have the answer. <laughs> But a movie like this, because it's it's dealing with some real world shit, you know, abuse, yeah. domestic abuse, that's real world shit. It seems to want to present itself as like a dramatic movie to be taken seriously. That just makes these like sci-fi elements just really hard to swallow the way they're presented because they aren't fleshed out in, in any way. The domestic abuse drama and like in the sci-fi slasher stuff, it doesn't quite fit together. Yeah. It's an awkward fit. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I think that's, that's where we come down on it. Um, but yeah, she gets the upper hand at the end. And it's, it's satisfying to see her character not be abused. Yeah. I mean, once. she, like, she kind of nice. comes back and like fights back. She's kind of just be abused and terrorized the entire movie. The entire movie. <sighs> yeah. It's like, yeah. she does, this, this girl doesn't even get a break. So yeah, at the very end, finally she gets some redemption and, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, leaves it open. There could be, like, the invisible woman next, maybe? Oh, there you go, because she does take the suit afterwards. And she takes the dog, too, right? She does take the dog. So she could go crazy in the next one. Start I terrorizing. know. That would be an interesting story. Sure. That would be an interesting... You haven't seen the original 1933 version, right? No. I watched it this week, and it's... I would say it's a superior film to this. It's, um, you know, in that film, uh, Claude Rains, he's... He's more of like a like a tragic antihero, you know. It has more of a um, poetic kind of feel to it. It's not it's not like a slasher movie. 
It's also an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Those, quick and easy. Those old movies, yeah, they kept it well under 90. But it's a, And the special effects for the time were pretty great. It's a really strong movie. It holds up. But I, I respect the new direction that they took this in. I, I just wish... Yeah, but my thing is, like, why... I just gave it a motive. Why, you know, you have an invisible man. Why does he have to be evil? Why can't he do good? True. Or why, yeah, why can't he be noble intention? That's the original. Yeah. In the original, he's just, he's an overambitious scientist who just kind of pushes things too far. He's not a villain. He's, just, he's kind of a tragic hero. One thing that would have made this whole motivation, because it's such an elaborate cat and mouse game that he undergoes, and you, you have to motivate that properly. One thing that could have motivated it is if they had just kind of muddied the waters a little bit. Maybe Elizabeth Moss, maybe her character has done something wrong. In the relationship, maybe she's maybe cheated on him yeah. or something. Maybe she's like stolen something from him. Something, I mean, we're still on her side. We're still sympathetic. But something that plausibly motivates this elaborate act of like te- yeah, this, terrorism this, and yeah. revenge. Because this is like very much. It's nuts. And it's, and again. Planned. Like, I feel like it's planned. It's, <laughs> it's, like it's so well thought out, it's implausible. <laughs> but yeah, that I mean that would have been a little more interesting if she if she had some like something kind of weighing on her conscience, you know, and this guy was coming back to haunt her and to get him like off her back, she had to free her conscience of something. Yeah. That would have been a little more interesting. Uh, but it's presented black and white, unfortunately, which makes it less interesting. If he's just a straight evil psycho who like for some reason looks like a DK and Y model and can buy anything in the world, that's not interesting. I agree. I guess there's, yeah, there's not much else, uh, spoiler-wise. No, I mean, I, mean I, I definitely would recommend this. I mean, go see it in the theater. It's worth seeing once. Yeah. yeah. I give it uh, I, I give it a B-. minus. I give it a B- minus as well. Some people are raving about it, which I don't quite understand. Well, yeah, the 90% on Rotten Tomatoes kind of surprises me, but... Well, again, people... I'm, I'm happy because this is a independent film, even though Blumhouse, well, but, yeah. It's released by Universal, so... Yeah, but still, it's a low budget. It's not, yeah, done on a low budget. Film, semi original concept. There's, yeah, there, there's some originality here. <laughs> I mean, The Invisible Man, it's, it's an old enough concept. I mean, you can reinvent it and do your own thing with it. I mean, it's, it's been around. But can't they put, like, The Invisible Man on, like, the Marvel movies or something? Have it, be, have it be one of the Avengers? Yeah. Me, that would be really cool. Or DC or something. Doesn't one of the Marvel people, can't they turn invisible? They team with the X-Men, and you've got some invisible person, I'm sure. <laughs> Just give them inv- one of them invisible powers. Uh, no, let me ask you this. What's better, this or Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon? You remember that movie? He oh, goes- Hollow Man. Much better. Because you, you, you see the es- escalation of his psychoness. It's a little more coherent, yeah. for sure. I mean, a, a lot more rapey. Yeah, that's true. Not, not into. I'm glad this movie didn't include any like rape or dog murder. That's true. It could have oh. gone. Yeah, there was one scene where like when she's at his place and he's like attacking her and the dog is in between them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh god, he's gonna kill the dog and it's gonna be violent. That doesn't happen. Thankfully, the movie doesn't like cross the line into bad taste like uh, like Hollow Man. Does. Uh, and I guess that's it. That's it. That's The Invisible Man, directed by Lee Wanell. You can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash moviedatenight, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at dnmoviepodcast, and you can also email us at datenightmoviepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. See ya.